We are on Yavamos Chav Dalad Omer Aleph 24A2 in the Art Scroll Gemara. We are beginning a new Mishnah. This Mishnah will discuss uh, another, a different aspect with regards to Yibam, a very interesting discussion. And then for the, in the next part of the, uh, of the Daf, on the second part of the Daf, we have another Mishnah, a new Mishnah, which discusses a very interesting, um, a very interesting situation. And we are really heading towards the end of the second parak, the second chapter. We have three dot and three pages left. So by within three weeks, uh, we should conclude the second chapter, which is exciting to conclude this uh, second chapter. Um, and there's a lot of interesting things that are discussed at the end of the second chapter, of the second parak. So let's see this Mishnah. We're up to a new Mishnah. <coughs> Excuse me. Mitzvah Bagadal Liyabim. There is a mitzvah for the oldest for the oldest brother to do Yibum. They we know that uh, any of the brothers they're allowed to do Yibum, they're allowed to do to do perform the mitzvah of Yibum, which is when they had a brother who passed away without any children and he was married. So then there's the mitzvah of Yibum. Uh, for the surviving brothers to any of the surviving brothers to do the mitzvah of Yibam, essentially to marry their sister-in-law, which is in general a prohibition, but in this scenario it becomes permissible. And so the Mishnah says that the mitzvah applies to the oldest, that the it's ideal for the oldest brother to perform the mitzvah. The Mishnah continues, it's a very short Mishnah, the Mishnah continues and says, However, if a younger child, a younger brother uh, goes ahead and uh, does the mitzvah of Yibam before the the oldest brother is able to, so then Zacha, then it works. It does, it does work. And that, and then it's viewed as though he has performed uh, Yibam. Uh, this is a very interesting topic. Uh, who should be the one that does Yibam? There's actually a machlokas, there's a dispute between the Rambam, Maimonides, and the Ravid. The Ravid is a, is a classic commentator who, who comments on the Rambam and uh, disagrees with the Rambam. He mentions when he disagrees with the Rambam in his halachic work. And so the Rambam is of the opinion that when we say that it's ideal, that there's a mitzvah, that there's an, it's ideal for the oldest brother to perform the mitzvah of Yibam, it only applies to the oldest brother. If the oldest brother is either uh, not alive or... Um, it doesn't want to do the mitzvah of Yibam, we, or is not around, we do not say that it, it should then go to the second oldest or then to the third oldest. It is not a hierarchy, but it belongs to the Bechor, it belongs to the firstborn, and he has the mitzvah, nobody else has the mitzvah. Once he's not doing it, so then everyone else has uh, just as much of a obligation slash right to perform the mitzvah of Yibam. However, the Ravid argues, the Ravid says, no, it's not true. We do go in order. At first, it's the oldest. If the oldest can't do it or doesn't want to do it, so then we go to the second oldest and then the third oldest. And so there, we do go in order uh, in terms of oldest to youngest. So this is a, a big dispute between the Rambam and the Ravid. Do we go from oldest to youngest or do we, or we, just, or do we just say that the ideal mitzvah is by the oldest, the way the Rambam puts it is by the Bechor, by the firstborn, and otherwise it doesn't apply it doesn't, uh, if, the, if the oldest is not going to do it, so then anybody else, any of the other brothers can do it. And this probably reflects, as we go through the Gemara, something to consider. This reflects 
the question of why. Why is the mitzvah for the oldest? Is it out of respect? Do we say that really everyone has an equal obligation to perform this mitzvah, but it's purely, it's just out of respect that we have uh, the oldest person do it. And so therefore, if, if the oldest one can't do it, so then the respect goes to the next oldest. And so maybe it makes sense out of respect. Uh, or perhaps one could say that it's something which is unique to the oldest, specifically perhaps to the firstborn, to the Bechor, as we will see that it's based on the fact that it's referred to in the Torah as the Bechor, the firstborn, not just the oldest, but the firstborn son. And perhaps the idea is that the firstborn son, he really represents the family. We see in different contexts how the firstborn son represents the family, the responsibility towards the family. Uh, in, in the Torah's uh, view, he really he represents uh, the family as a whole. And so maybe it makes sense that just like, for example, by the laws of Nachla, by inheritance, we say that the oldest uh, son gets double. He gets double the Yerusha, double the inheritance from his father. And then the rest is divided uh, amongst the, bro- the other brothers. Uh, because the oldest, he really represents the family. And he represents the shame, the name of the family. And so he gets double. He's responsible for the entire family. So then perhaps so too over here, there is a fundamental difference. It's not just out of honor, but there's a fundamental difference to have the oldest sur- surviving brother, to have perhaps the Bechor, the firstborn he has the obligation to do it because he really represents the family. Fundamentally, he represents the family. If he can't do it, so then we get one of the other brothers to do it. But fundamentally, it's a it's a preference to have the firstborn do it. Uh, so that is one way of looking at it. There's definitely a lot of nuances, which unfortunately we do not have time in the recording to get to. But this is these are two different perspectives of looking at this mitzvah that ideally we should have the firstborn or the oldest brother do it either out of honor or because he represents the entire family. The Gemara now says as follows, commenting on this Mishnah, it says that the verse says, the verse with regards to Yibam, it says as follows, before we see it in the Gemara, we'll just quote the Pasuk, the verse says, There's a few phrases here, and the Gemara is going to analyze each one, but the simple explanation, which the Gemara will reject, it says that when a person does Yibam and then they have their first child, uh, once they have that first child, that child should be named after the deceased, after his, essentially his uncle, who was his mother's first husband, uh, but who is now his uncle. Um, and so he should be named after his deceased uncle, and so that the name, the name of the deceased, uh, should not leave uh, the Jewish people, so that his name is continues forever. That is the simple explanation of the Pasuk of the verse. The Gemara is going to quote various drushas, various ways of, of deriving other laws from this verse, and so the, the way to read the verse is really very different. And we'll see this in the Gemara. The Gemara says, The first phrase is, And he was the firstborn. And the simple explanation, it's the child, the first child. But we say, no, this is the source for our Mishnah. There's a mitzvah for the oldest surviving brother to perform the mitzvah of Yibam. And... Uh, we get that from the word Bechor, the firstborn. The firstborn is not referring to the child after you do Yibam, but it's referring to the oldest brother, or perhaps really the firstborn. Uh, they have the mitzvah to do Yibam, and it's ideal for them to do Yibam. If they can't do it, so then one of the other brothers does the mitzvah of Yibam. But it's it's best for the oldest brother to do the mitzvah of Yibam. The next part of the verse says, Asher Teled, if they can have a child, when they have a child. And this is an idea that we've seen in the past, Pral, Alanish, Inuladis. 
This means an island is a woman who is not able to have children. She is exempt from the mitzvah of Yibam because it's only in the context where they're able to have at least the potential to have children. Then it says, Yaakum Hashim Achiv. The next part of the verse says, in the simple explanation, it was referring to the fact that the child should be named after the deceased uncle or husband of the mother, the deceased husband. We say, no, Yaakum Hashim Achiv means Lenachla for inheritance, which we will get to tomorrow. What exactly does inheritance mean? But when it comes to inheritance, that the brother that does Yibam, he somehow inherits his the deceased brother. We'll see exactly what that means tomorrow. But he inherits from the deceased brother because he's the one that did Yibam. And that's what it's saying. It's not telling us that the child should be named after the brother. No, it's specifically in the context of inheritance. Al-Shem is referring to not the actual name, but with regards to inheritance, he should he should take over the inheritance of the brother, which also perhaps reflects an idea of mishpacha, of family. And that inheritance really has to do with not just a way to divide up, but it's really representing the family and a cont- continuation of of the family. And so he also gets the Yerusha, the inheritance of his brother. The Gemara interjects and says, How do you know that it's not referring to the actual name? How do you know this? Maybe it's actually referring to the name itself, that the child, it's also referring to the child, it's not referring to the one who's performing in the mitzvah of Yibam, to the brother, but it's really referring to the child. How do we know? Maybe it means Yosef, Karnoso Yosef. If, if the deceased husband, his name was Yosef, so then call the child Yosef. Yochanan, Karnoso Yochanan. If his name was Yochanan, so then call the child Yochanan. How do we know that it's about the laws of inheritance and referring to the live brother? Maybe it's really talking about the new newborn child and that we should name the newborn child after the deceased, uh, the deceased uh, husband. So the Gemara says, no, this is based on a Gzereshava. A Gzereshava is that we see two words in the Torah in two different contexts, and this is, there was a, an idea, an oral law passed down from Harsinai that says these two words have some sort of connection. We cannot make this up on our own, but we are told that there's some sort of connection between these two words, even though they're in totally different contexts. And here too, Nemar Khan, Yaakam HaShem it used the word shame, name, with regards to the context of Yibam. And then with regards to the laws of, with regards to Yerusha, with regards to inheritance, the context of inheritance, it also uses the same word shame, the name, but it's referring to inheritance. And so the Gemara says, the Gzir Shava is just like over there, it's with regard, name really represents, it's in the context of inheritance. And so to over here, it's not referring to the actual name of a person that we should name them after the deceased, but it means not with regards to the son, but with regards to the brother who did Yibam, that that brother should inherit from the deceased brother. And finally, the last comment of the Brisa, when it, when it explains all these different phrases, it says, Just like a woman who's not able to have children is exempt from the midst of Yibam Rechalitza, so too a brother who is a Sris, who is not able to have children, uh, naturally, that he was born not able to have children, um, but some of the commentators say that if he got injured, uh, so then so then he still would be obligated. But if he was born where he was able, to, it's natural, where he wasn't able to have children, so then he's also exempt from the mitzvah of Yibam. Just like uh, if the sister-in-law also is an islandist, is not able to have children, she would also be exempt. That is the end of the b'risa. So the, essentially, the point here is that uh, they they read this pasuk very differently than the simple explanation. They read the verse saying, the simple explanation is that when a, after they do Yibam, the, the verse is saying after they do Yibam, the first child they should name after the deceased husband slash deceased uncle, so that you continue the name. But the, the Braissa says, no, we, we have an oral, the oral Torah 
teaches us, the Torah Shabbat teaches us not to read it like that. And Vahaya Bechor is telling us that the, it's talking about the Yavam, really, not the child, but the Yavam, the brother, he should be the Bechor, the firstborn. He has the ideal mitzvah. It also teaches us that an islandist and a Sris, that somebody who's not able to have children, whether the brother or the sister-in-law, so then they are also exempt. And it also teaches us that when it says that you have to continue the name, it's not referring to the actual name, but it's referring to the inheritance, which is also name, uh, inheritance is, is referred to as the name. Again, as we mentioned before, perhaps it's showing how inheritance is really about continuous, continuing the legacy, which is really important, as we mentioned before, uh, with regards to the laws of inheritance, that it's, it's not purely something uh, about dividing up the, the estate of the, of the deceased, uh, but it's really about uh, continuing a legacy and continuing the mishpacha, continuing the family. Um, okay, so that is the end of the brisa. How it really derives very different laws than from the simple explanation of the verse. Rava now says something very interesting. Alma Rava, Rava says, in general, we have this in a lot of cases where there's the simple explanation of the verse, and then we have the oral Torah, which embellishes it, adds to the to the laws, to the verse, it explains more. And Rav is saying that when we have the Torah Shavah Peh, or Gzir Shava specifically, the Gzir Shava, which teaches us a certain law based on a different context, but it uses the same word. So in general, we say that that doesn't mean that the simple explanation is incorrect. We have the simple explanation of the verse. We could use that. But in addition to that, we also have the way we darshan, the way we derive various laws based on different principles that we use. He says that's true with regards to everywhere, except for here. And this is also brought down, the Ramban, Nachmanides, he writes about this, and he says that there's different ways of, of understanding and reading the Torah. There's the simple explanation, but then there's also drash. There's a way we make drashas and derive various laws from it, and there's different ways to interpret a single verse. There's different ways to, to interpret it. But Rava says, and the Ramban says, that we see from our Gemara, that the, the one exception is our case. The one exception is our case, where we say that, no, it, the simple explanation to say that you have to name the child after the father, after the, after the deceased father, that does not, that does not, uh, that is not true. And that all we have is the oral Torah in this one case, and there's nothing to learn from, at least with regards to the laws, from the simple explanation. So that's interesting to keep in mind that for all the drushas, every single time we have a gzir shava, there's also uh, some meaning to the simple explanation as well. The Gemara now continues, and it says, shava." They ask, "If I didn't have this gzir shava, this this way, of, excuse me, of deriving the law that it doesn't really refer to the name, but it's really referring to inheritance that the brother-in-law inherits." The brother inherits from the deceased brother, the live brother who did Yibam inherits from the deceased brother. If I didn't have that Gzir Shava, Havamina Shem Shem Mamish, then I would have thought that it's really referring to the name. So the Gemara just asks a parenthetical question. It says, who, who is the Torah referring to to say that we should name the child after the deceased uncle slash husband of the mother? If we're talking to Liyavam, if we're talking to the brother who married his sister in law, so then it shouldn't say, it should say, Yakum Hashim Achicha The verse should say that you shall succeed to, you should, Yakum Hashim Achicha, you should continue the name of your brother. It doesn't say your brother, it says to his brother. Why does it say to his brother? If we're talking to the, to the brother himself, so we should say to your brother. If we're talking to the Beisdin, to the court, to the courts, 
So then it should say, Yaakum al-shim achi avimi ba'alei. It shouldn't say, Yaakum al-shim achicha, your brother, but it should say, uh, based on the name of of the child's father's brother, his uncle, meaning the court system, we're saying the court should name the child after his uncle. So he should have said his uncle in the verse, not the brother. The brother seems to imply that we're not referring to the child, but we're referring to the brother, because the verse itself says that we should continue the name of his brother, of his brother. So the Gemara says it can't be referring to the Yavim, because it should, if it's referring to the brother who actually did Yibam, it should be saying your brother, not his brother, but your brother. Can't be referring to the Bezdin, because then for the Bezdin, it's not referring to the brother, it should be referring to the child. And it should say that the child's uncle, it shouldn't say his brother, it should say his uncle, because we're talking, discussing the name of the child. So the Gemara answers, no. This is what it means. It means that, it means that the uh, Bezdin should tell the Yavam, should tell the, the father of this child, essentially, to name the child after his brother. And that's what the Torah is telling us. But it's important to keep in mind, the Gemara concludes, that the Gzereshava comes, so they have a way of explaining it without the Gzereshava, to say that it's referring to the actual name, because the Bezdin, the court will tell the the brother, who did Yibam, who's now the father of this child, to name the child after his brother. But the Gemara says, the Gzereshava comes, this principle of deriving various laws from a, a word that's uh, connected, that's found in Yibam, it's also found in a different context, to tell us, no, that's not what it's teaching us. It has nothing to do with uh, keeping the name, uh, the actual name of the, the deceased uh, husband, but rather it's about Yerusha inheritance uh, and the fact that the the brother, meaning the Yibam, the one who did the mitzvah of Yibam, he gets to inherit uh, from the deceased uh, brother, which we will explain in the next recording what exactly does that mean. Uh, but it's, it's, it's interesting, one last point, we're, we concluded the Gemara, but one last point is that while it is true that the Gemara says that the simple explanation is that we should not name after, or we don't have to name after the, after the uh, deceased husband, it's interesting to note that Rashi, in his commentary on the Torah, uh, he discusses the story of Yehuda and Tamar, which is found in the book of Bereshus, and that's a story of of performing Yibam, essentially. This is before we receive the Torah. Uh, this is with regards to Yehuda and Tamar. And so it's before that we're before going down to Egypt and before receiving the Torah. Uh, but he says, Rashi there says that we should, they had intention to name the child uh, after the deceased in that case. But we just said in Aragamar that we do not name the child after the deceased. There's no, there's no need or reason to name the child after the deceased. And so the ex- an explanation that's given, which I find to be a very interesting explanation, is that it's true. After we receive the Torah, once we receive the Torah, the mitzvah is only on brothers. It's only on brothers. Once the mitzvah is only on brothers, so then we don't have to name the child after the deceased because there's already such a strong connection. We see that the one who's doing the mitzvah Yibam, the one that's marrying the sister-in-law, is such a close relative. Before we receive the Torah, like in the story in the book of Bratius, anybody, any relative could do it. Not just a brother, it could be... Uh, um, it could be a father, meaning the sister-in-law and father-in-law. It could be a cousin. It doesn't have to be specifically the brother. And because it could be so distant in terms of the relationship, so therefore we require more to make a stronger connection. And so therefore, before we receive the Torah, since anybody, any relative, not just the brother, could do the mitzvah yibam, so therefore we say the way to make sure that it's still connected back to that deceased husband is by naming the child after the deceased husband. So before we receive the Torah, this is actually true. According to this explanation, we would name the child after the deceased husband, but after we receive the Torah, 
we no longer have such an obligation because there's already such a close connection because it can only be done by the brother. We'll continue with the Gemara in the next recording.